Hello, everyone, and welcome to this month's episode of the TMI Entrepreneurship Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Rocker-Priori, and my co-host. Hi, I'm Joshua White. Today, we have with us Karen Gregorian and Quentin Burmette. Karen and Quentin are both part of the NORC Institute at the University of Chicago. For those that are not familiar with NORC, NORC is the National Opinion Research Center at the University of Chicago. And what Karen and Quentin are both doing at NORC right now is working on the Entrepreneurship in the Population Survey Project, also known as EPOP. It's actually funded by the Kauffman Foundation. So we're really excited to have them here today to talk about this project and the data and how it could be useful to PhD students like all of the ones listening to the podcast and give us some advice on what it takes to create a data set like this. So thank you for being with us, Karen and Quinted. We're excited to see what you both have to say. Before every episode, we always ask a kickoff question, kind of a quirky question to get things going. So um, what we were wondering about is if you could hang out with one cartoon character, who would that be and why? Oh, man. There are a few that are so good. You know, it's going to sound crazy, but I think I'd hang out with Pepe Le Pew because uh, <laughs> I'm truly a cat at heart. And, you know, I could, you what the heck, I'd, I'll take the romance <laughs> and the over-the-top affection. That is a great, that, that's, that's a great top, question. <laughs> There's so many to choose There's from. There's so many to choose from. I like, and yeah, I, I, if you made me choose, I think I'd go with Bugs Bunny. I think he's, you know, I, I don't think I can handle like the craziness of some of the, some of the cartoon characters. I think I would need someone uh, in that universe, someone relatively toned down. Um, but yeah, can't top the Pepe Le Pew answer. That's, that's pretty solid. And, and the sad thing is I didn't have to think that hard. No, I'm a little scared that you actually had that in your head. Like, I kind of like Pepe Le Pew. I love that you guys were like, especially you, Karen, so quick with your responses there. Sad. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it's great. So can you guys tell us a little bit more about what EPOP is, how it got started, how you guys got involved with it? Yeah, I can kick off just a little bit. Um, So EPOP's a new data resource uh, funded by the Ewing Marion Kaufman Foundation. Um, And so we're really excited about it and, you know, hoping everyone uh, listening to this podcast will uh, take a look and think about it for their research. Um, So it's, uh, we are now into year two of a five-year project. Um, Each year, we're releasing about 30,000 cross-sectional surveys, and the goal is to have broad coverage across the country and enough sample size to look also at state and local areas. And so we have, you know, this this large sample that allows hopefully researchers to dig into a lot of questions and things that are um, in their research interests, but then we also have the ability to produce estimates of individual states or uh, metropolitan statistical areas. So you can also use that to take a look at entrepreneurial activities in these areas. And really how the whole thing got started, to be honest with you, is it was an idea that was 
sponsored and actually brought up by Kaufman Foundation. So Kaufman Foundation came to us. We were talking about different ways in which uh, this survey could actually be launched and worked out. And so it's, it's not only their support, but really it was a collaborative operation with them and their interest in pursuing this and having this information available to researchers, their, the foundation themselves. And I have to say one of the really nice things about the Kauffman Foundation is stipulated in the grant is dissemination and like sharing the data, sharing the resources and, and, and really starting this new survey data collection enterprise and making it available to the research community. So it's, it's really, it was really interesting. So um, I started out working with them and looking at like, what's possible, what can we do? What does it look like to come up with these national estimates, state level estimates, large metropolitan area estimates and work that through. And I actually quickly came to uh, the, the idea that we really need a principal researcher who is interested in this. And that's how I actually captured Quentin and said, you know, are you interested in being in on this and being a uh, principal investigator and help uh, navigate and sail the ship of EPOP? So it's been working out really great. And as Quentin noted, we completed data collection for year two. There's a little over, well, a little over 31,000 records that we'll be releasing soon. Um, but we're already planning year three. So, you know, it just keeps, it just keeps going. So it's, it's kind of fun and exciting. No, that sounds uh, fun and exciting. Um, one thing that we wanted to know is, um, as we think about, we are blessed with tons of great data sets and, you know, more becoming available all the time. And so we wanted you guys to uh, really speak to us about what makes EPOP different um, than other existing data sets and, um, you know, how people can use uh, the data that you've collected. Yeah, so, you know, in addition to having this kind of nationwide coverage and looking at state and local areas, I think one of the things that makes us different is our emphasis on measuring what we call, you know, a broad range of entrepreneurial activities. And so um, there are not exclusively, but a lot of data sets that are out there right now are very focused on people who currently own businesses. And that's obviously an incredibly important um, set of individuals to study. But if you wanna think about the circumstances that led to say a business failing, the circumstances um, surrounding people who are just starting to think about starting a business or who maybe thought about it in the past and then um, stopped, you know, that's a different set of people than the people who currently own businesses. And so we're uh, really, um, our emphasis is on creating a nationally representative survey where we can measure all of these different entrepreneurial activities together. So this includes people who are just starting to think about owning a business people who might have done that in the past, but decided not to eventually. Um, and then along with that, we kind of know that how individuals engage with the labor market may have changed as well. And so we, we also have this focus in the survey on measuring freelancers and measuring people who are in the gig economy, quote unquote. Um, and so that I think is another piece here. So we have 
not just we're not just asking questions of people who currently own businesses, but we're really asking a nationally representative set of people about their experiences with owning businesses, thinking about starting owning businesses, um, as well as these kinds of freelance and gig work activities that we know could be really related to entrepreneurial ideas. Right. I think that is true. It, it captures the full pipeline. And because of the way the, the questionnaire, the survey is structured in the beginning too, you understand the complexity too for those that are like super entrepreneurs and who who may own multiple businesses and sell them we allow for the possibility that you're not just one thing the 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 screening mechanism or the the initial surveying mechanism captures the fact that people could be in multiple states of entrepreneurship at the time. You could be planning a business while you're owning one and have closed another one. All of these scenarios are possible. Um, that is a minority of the population, but it, it allows for that complexity. And so I think the fact that the data captures all of that information it makes it very modular for analysts to be able to hone in on specifically what do they want to see? Well, even though this person currently owns a business, they're planning a business, let me look at all planners together, whatever that is. Um, I would say another thing too that, that makes this different and not that other researchers don't, we really want to get the data out there to everyone else. Like the barriers to being able to obtain a public use data file are really low. You can go to the website, request it, and you know you should have it a minute or two later. It's not um, onerous and it should be fast and easy for people to get at it. And we're also not holding back that data while we're, you know, exploiting it. This data is 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 sort of we're baking it. It's going to be fresh <laughs> and we're putting it out there for you to grab the fresh data. And so while we're we're doing this initial look at the data and putting out publications and some estimates with it, by no means is it going to be a couple of years old. It's it's literally captured this year. We're looking at it at the same time the research community is looking at it too. And I think that's a little different. So you guys have briefly touched on this in terms of like where you guys doing a year three and continuing this on, but where do you see EPOP expanding even beyond just updating the previous questions? Like where do you see it growing in terms of new types of questions and new areas of research that maybe the first year or two didn't cover or couldn't cover? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, you know, in in addition to our current, you know, process where we're always looking for, you know, new topical modules to add to surveys, um, we are also really hoping to see EPOP expand and be used more um, in different types of research and also expanding into different local contexts. So as an example, we we recently did a project uh, in Indiana with the Central Indiana Corporate Partnership where we were doing uh, an additional survey, um, but using the EPOP infrastructure to look at uh, entrepreneurial activity in Indiana. And so this allowed uh, local, local 
um, individuals who are interested in entrepreneurial policy and economic development in Indiana to have more information on uh, how entrepreneurial activity um, was different across the state and the types of challenges and circumstances facing entrepreneurs there. And so I think that's um, in particular one area that we'd like to expand. Um, in addition to, as you mentioned, you know, we're always looking for including additional topical modules and new items. And so um, to any of the any of the researchers out there listening, I think that's always something we're interested in hearing about. Um, and we've added um, for the new wave of year two data that's going to be coming out here soon, um, we've already added additional information on uh, capital financing, on the background of entrepreneurs and how their previous employment might relate to what they're planning to do um, and other um, types of challenges and uh, um, I think we refined the in in a number of different places in the instrument specific to the experiences a person has. We've asked them like, what are your challenges, and, and you know, what are your motivations? And there's a, a range that people can select from. And I think we've added like the top two um, instead. Before in year one, I think we captured it all. It's all there, but it all comes in at the same level. And so we've got that sort of refinement in year two that I think is good. I think the capital data is a little more refined in year two and that works out really well. Do you need a do-over, Quentin? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I was on the end of a big monologue and just blanked there on uh, <laughs> perceptions of entrepreneurship amongst people who are not themselves entrepreneurs was what I was planning to say. Yeah, that, I think that's going to be an interesting one to, to start exploring that data. And I, I do, I think the experience essentially collecting an oversample of the EPOP survey for Indiana so they could do a deeper dive worked out really well. And we, we're happy to either oversample during the survey collection for states that can afford it. I mean, as it stands, the foundation has done an amazing thing by, by funding coverage in all states in DC and then 50 largest MSAs. That's, that's actually pretty amazing with representative coverage. Um, and while it's good and it's really good for certain states, like uh, the larger states with lots of MSAs in it, like California or Texas or Florida, our big whopper states, um, you know, there's a limit to what that data can do. So when a state, if a state has funding for extra data collection, I don't see why there's any issue with expanding to give them that deeper coverage. So that's something that potentially could kick off in the future. Another thing that possibly could happen in the future, and I know that there are a number of people who'd love to have this data, but again, um, you know, it, right now we have great funding for the five years to, to establish the EPOP survey and really get a great time series out there of cross-sectional data. Um, but I think people are also like, oh, this would be great at, for longitudinal data. Like these people are planning their, their business. Let's follow up with them and see what's happening. So I know there's interest in it. Um, so 
it's it we won't say no how's that quentin we won't say no won't that say that no. will never happen i think that would be really um valuable too right especially for states that are putting in initiatives or different areas that are putting in initiatives to to build their business communities and you know are they putting a focus on brick and mortar what happens do they see the change you know come through in the data It'll be interesting to see. No, that's uh, really exciting. Um, you know, a, a lot of people listening to this are PhD students, um, junior faculty. Um, <clears throat> and so what one thing that I'm curious about, this is a two-part question, is um, first, how do people get access to the data? And number two, what are you expecting them to do with it? So um, in browsing your website, just quickly, um, I noticed that there were two levels of, of data and you have to register and things like that. So if you could talk about, you know, how do they get the data and what do you hope that they do with it once they have it? I can start by just saying the data are available to you at www.epop.nrc.org. So that's not too tough. And so I'll, I'll start you out, Quentin, by saying it's it's that's that's where you go to to explore the data. But go ahead. Yeah. And so if you go to our website, we have, uh, like you mentioned, the two different levels of files. And so the public use file and it's Karen mentioned earlier is really you just have to give a name and an email address and not much more information and it'll get emailed to you within usually about a minute or two. So that's very easy to access. Um, and the restricted use file, we have an application procedure. Uh, you know, the difference between the two is uh, primarily the level of geography. And so um, with the public use file, you can only get down to a census region level. With the restricted use file, you can go much more granular down to the county. And big reason for not having that detailed geography in our public use file is just to protect the identity of respondents. Um, in terms of how, you know, what we're hoping people do with it, I, we're hoping it can be useful for all of the research. Um, and so we, um, you know, as Karen mentioned before, really the driving force behind this is to make data that is helpful to researchers um, and, you know, when I say that, it's helpful, hopefully, towards original research questions that can use our data to look into the circumstances surrounding entrepreneurship. Hopefully, it's helpful for thinking about benchmarks, say, if you want to think about how many people in a given state are considering starting a business or something like that, that can be helpful as well. Um, and so really, you know, the we are more than anything trying to make this a valuable research resource research resource to the research community and um hoping that uh researchers get a lot of uh value out of it and to be honest with you i think different people will be engaging with the data at different levels for phd students um it may be that the public use file is sufficient. They may need the restricted use data if they're looking at something with more like state level or MSA comparisons and they need to go a little deeper. 
um, the case sets are the same, the weight, the, the survey weight is the same and so forth. So they would still get um, the same data and at the national level, it's not different at all. So that that's one thing too. So the public use data files there and they would be using it. I think that different organizations and different communities and governments might also find this important and useful to themselves, but they may engage and, and simply be looking and being able to compare themselves to other states or def different metro areas. And those very basic statistics are actually published and comparable in the online website. You can just go to the website, pull up the dashboard and sort of look, and you can look across the different uh, the different states, look across the different MSAs and compare on different dimensions and understand, you know, geez, it seems like our state is falling behind. And so that's possible. And, and some users are going to engage at that level. I would think for the PhD community, the public use data files go in, you know, just basically indicate what you, you know, that you want the file where to send it. That's why we need your email address because it's a package of data. When you receive the, the public use data file, it comes with a code book. So it's not just the data file, which is would be scary and atrocious. Uh, you get the code book, you get a copy of the questionnaire that maps to the data file. And there's a user's guide too that, that explains, uh, gives you at least a nice overview of the methodology of the survey. Um, and what the data has and any sort of data manipulation that occurred between collecting the data and packaging it up into the data file. And there's another, there's an, <laughs> there's another file that is inside the codebook uh, with the codebook, and that's the crosswalk. And I if if I am talking to the PhD students or any other people who are starting to use the data, don't overlook the crosswalk. The crosswalk shows every variable, every question with the variable uh, name on it and the type of variable and which pathway, in other words, this is a business owner, which questions were asked of the business owner, which were asked of the general population, which were asked of gig workers. And so you can see which items are asked maybe of people who are planning businesses and people who are owning businesses both. So you could do the comparison. The crosswalk is a gem. You see what the, the variable name is. You see what the question asked is. And you can see which pathway in the data gets asked those items. So like you can say, oh, look, I can compare these two elements. The challenges for... Uh, business owners and business planners or freelancers and you know so forth and gig workers and and to see where things are comparable and i think that that's valuable and that's inside the the download package that you'll receive via email like that it's also very helpful because sometimes um you'll see in the survey, we ask a lot of different questions about say challenges or perceptions mm -hmm. of entrepreneurship reasons for becoming an entrepreneur. And so being able to look across this crosswalk and look down these lists of say challenges um, can be really helpful, I think, for thinking about your different research ideas. Right, right. And, the, and while we give you the full survey written out, 
it it has logic that's in it, and sometimes that gets in the way of understanding what's in the data set. It's important and it's helpful to have, but I think the crosswalk is your key. That's I'm, great. Uh, I'm, sorry, I'm I'm no, really glad ahead, you mentioned that. Um, I'm really glad that you mentioned that. Just returning back to uh, what makes your data set unique, I would say that that's one of the things that makes your data set unique. You know, a lot of a lot of data sets get put out and they're you know very hard to navigate or unclear. And it sounds like you guys have been extremely thoughtful in putting this together and making it usable. So um, we're really excited to get the news out there so that people can start you know using it. We're we're trying. And the other thing I uh, I would add too is. Um, you know, we're hoping people will use the data to do their own analysis or investigate issues or come up with benchmarks, maybe even new derived measures. It's possible, right? All of this is uh, possible to them in that. But we also are looking as people use the data, make a presentation maybe have uh, a white paper or any other publications, we're happy to amplify it, add it to the, the website's publications pages. We, we're, not, we're not just interested in publications we're putting out, we're interested in adding publications using the data and sharing it more broadly so that we, we get a whole community of people using the data and maybe building off of each other's research as time passes. I mean, that that's the goal. And so we are, if, if we learn from you that you've got a paper out there, tell us, we'll put it out there. We might even put you up in our banner. <laughs> we'll give you a little, we'll give you a little plug and push it along because really the idea is we've collected this data it's out there for use. We want people to use it. We want people to build. And you know, now is a great time. If this can help support the building of the economy post-pandemic, we it's a it's like a triple win for us. It's all good. I love that. So we usually end all of the episodes with a um, kind of an advice question. I'm going to structure y'all's a little differently just because typically our guests are tenure track faculty. So we asked them about since they started their PhD studies. But I think for you guys, what might be more interesting for our listeners is what advice do you have for people who are starting out developing a unique data set like this? What are some things that they mm -hmm. should maybe keep in mind um, to ensure that they get good quality data that is usable? Wow. Well, one thing I can say, having done survey research for a long time, is um, you need to make sure that you have a, a, a good input sample. Like you need to understand what you're doing. And I think structuring and understanding uh, it's one thing to write the survey instrument, which is not also a small thing. That is a very important thing. You need to ask the right questions and you need to do it well. And you need to make sure that you put in enough uh, time and resources to be able to, to test the instrument to make sure that it is reliable and valid. It's, it's, it's never fast and easy. And there was a full pretest of this instrument before we went through another validation process and then uh, moved forward 
and collected the the year one data and even still we had refinements between year one and year two um so so allow yourself the that time and and the energy for that process but also um the sample design is also key like understanding who you're measuring doing a good job with that so i think those two things together are, are really, really super important when you're starting to build a new data set. So give yourself the time to develop your survey carefully, test it, check it, check in with your experts, um, get their feedback and, and, and refine and move forward. And then make sure you have a good representative sample when you actually do go live with your first collection of whatever it is. <laughs> Quentin, I'm sure you have... I, so the only the one thing I might add is uh, I think sometimes when you're starting with creating a new data resource, it's really helpful to have a kind of clear mission for what you're hoping to have that that data resource be because it's very easy to start. You can always think of like 400 new things you could ask people that would be very interesting and give you lots of really interesting information, but it's helpful to have a kind of coherent mission that kind of drives the whole process. And so, you know, in, in the case of EPOP, what this was, was having this broad range of entrepreneurial activities, how, what are the stages of the entrepreneurial process and making sure we're able to measure that. And I think that's really helpful because then as you go into all this validation um, work that Karen just mentioned, you're talking to experts in the field, you're doing the pretest, you're analyzing the results of your cognitive interviews. You can keep that in mind and make sure that you're, what you're doing is speaking towards you know, that mission that you set out in the first place. I think that's great advice. I think this has been super helpful. I think PhD students are gonna find EPOP as a useful resource for them when they're answering the research questions. Uh, so I appreciate you both taking the time to chat with us today and uh, give us your insights. Tell us more about this data set and what you guys have been doing and plan to do with it. So thank you both. Excellent. Thank us. you for inviting us. This was a lot of fun. So again, a big thank you to Karen and Quentin for being on today's episode and telling us all about the EPOP database. To get more info on EPOP, uh, you could see in our link for this episode, the link to the data set and Karen and Quentin's emails should you have any questions about the data set itself. We also want to thank all of you for listening. If you have any suggestions or questions for future episodes, please feel free to reach out to our email address, tmientpod at gmail.com. And Andrew, Josh, and I look forward to reading your suggestions and hearing from you. And until next time.